0: This week's episode is sponsored by the Is This Entertainment podcast. Is This Entertainment follows two self-described hermits who play music together, Jacob and Ben, as they talk about the music they're listening to and the TV shows and movies they're watching. Recently, they've recapped the last season of The Mandalorian and are also currently reviewing episodes of WandaVision with a hefty mix of comedy and philosophy. And you know what? Ben and Jacob are new to podcasting, so why not head on over and give them a listen? You can check them out at isthisentertainment.com, on YouTube, or on Twitter at at isthisentpod. Now that's entertainment. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. Pete's frozen. <laughs> <laughs> we lost Pete already.
1: <laughs> uh, He's oh, frozen in a very good pose. That's fun. It's yeah. You know, on Mardi Gras, Pete's going to freeze up because it's actually his technology mm-hmm. and Wi-Fi is fine. He, as a human, is frozen.
0: Yeah. Well, what happened was right before we went live, uh, we looked at Pete. We were like, hey, Pete, show us your... Yeah. And then just froze like that for a while. Pete, you're back. How are you doing? Great. I just, you know, drink a lot of frozen daiquiris. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's not what we were talking about. So today is the kickoff of Mardi Gras. We've been talking about this at our Patreon Slack all day. Very exciting time. Yeah. I think we all have like Mardi Gras themed drinks. Usually we wait to talk about what we're drinking until later in the show. But should we kick it off with that? Let's oh do it. Yeah, uh, Pete. So what yeah. are you actually drinking?
2: Well, I'm drinking a Mountain Dew. <laughs>
0: Great. Very Nine. New Orleans. Uh, I picked up something at the Patreon Slack. This is a recommendation of our resident chef, Brett Macris. I made a modified Veau Carré.
1: Wow, look at both of you guys. French drinks. Mm-hmm. Really leaning into it. Yeah. I'm drinking uh, drinkin a uh, Boulevardier. Mm. Or, if where we, I come from, a Boulevardier. Because like, it sounds like the snowmobile. There you go. Bombardier.
0: Yes, we are all, in fact, very fancy. We're all prepped for the Mardi Gras. I, and we have a packed show, so I kind of want to get into it. We have amazing guests for you. Uh, later on in the show, we're going to have Natalie Zina-Washoltz and also Derek Robertson are being going to yeah. be here. But first, I'm going to invite our first guest. He's a returning guest. He has a new project from Aftershock Comics that is out now in fact the second issue i think just came out this past week called scouts honor ladies and gentlemen david peepos hello how are you hey hey Hey,
3: great fellas thank you guys so much for having me i'm excited to catch up Mm, yeah thanks for coming back excited to chat with you what are you drinking from mardi gras what's going on oh boy um well i've got some uh some old mr pib that i just got from chipotle (laughs) no nothing better uh, intoxicating (laughs) yeah, <laughs> you know this it's it's still early where i am i'm in los angeles so it's only four o'clock my time um so i'm i'm drinking to caffeinate um but uh i yeah. please drink extra on my behalf um mm-hmm. because yes uh lord knows uh we we all need it at this at this in this day and age
1: the great uh, baton handoff of the day between ca- caffeination and um, alcohol is uh it's a beautiful healthy experience for all <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Now, another couple of people I can think of that probably needed a drink are the characters in the new book, Scouts Otter, from Aftershock Comics.
4: Oh, uh, look at him.
0: <laughs> Perfect segue. Thank you very uh, much. Uh, this book is a lot of fun. You teased it, I think, the last time you were on, but it's basically post-apocalypse with Boy Scouts, kind of. But is that where the pitch started, or, or where did it yeah. come
3: from? So so for, for those who haven't read Scouts Honor yet, um, the, the, the quick pitch for the book is years after a nuclear war a cult has risen from the ashes and their bible is an old boy scout manual uh, so <laughs> our jumps uh, about 200 years into the future uh with our main character kit who's kind of the best and the brightest that the ranger scouts of america has to offer as they try to tame the irradiated colorado badlands there's just one problem this is a hyper masculine survivalist cult that only allows men to serve and so kit has had to conceal her identity as a woman In order to pursue her calling as a ranger scout Uh, unfortunately uh kit's gonna make a pretty chilling discovery that cuts all the way back to the heart of the ranger scouts creation and she's gonna find herself losing her religion as she embarks on a dangerous quest for the truth
0: Uh, wow once again like like the last time we had you on you are prepped with that pitch and i like
3: it a lot (laughs) i say it every night in the mirror before i go to bed Um, (laughs) um, now were you were you a boy scout were you my yeah. younger brothers were. Okay. And I think that was kind of the kernel of how Scout's Honor came to be, was being the outsider looking in. I, I, when you are a Boy Scout, you know, there's all, it's all about the camaraderie and learning practical skills and hanging out with your boys. But the outside looking <laughs> in, you know, you, you see the costumes and you see the pageantry and you see the, the the tradition and the Bono and the bylaws. You don't have to squint too hard for it to turn into a cult. And um, that True. was sort of – that was kind of what I was looking at uh, with this pitch was – when I first came up with it, I said, "What's the weirdest thing a cult could use as a Bible?" And yeah. um, when I thought of the Boy Scout manual, just a lot of things started clicking. Um, mm-hmm. it feels timely and 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 perhaps uncomfortably so. I, I um yeah. I, I pitched this book in the fall of 2019, um, but just based on the way that like the the development process went, and by the time I finally got my paperwork, uh, my contract, it was about two weeks before lockdown. And so Mm -hmm. I wrote about 80% of this book during COVID. And um, it was, you know, it was, it was, but when you think about it, you know, you think like the rise of sort of the, the the evangelical mega churches, the fetishizing of the military and survival prepping, kind of the general culture of toxic masculinity that we all find ourselves in. You you put that in a cauldron and you irradiate it for 200 years and the Mm -hmm. Ranger Scouts of America suddenly (laughs) don't seem that far fetched. But mm-hmm. well, the, the, the genders,
1: the uh, scouts yeah. being girls or boys is also in the news because um, yes. the Boy Scouts are now the scouts. They've yep. allowed um, girls into the group and the Girl Scouts are mad. And yeah. so there's this weird push pull happening where
3: what's well, going to happen? It, it's, it's funny because um, that was actually me solving one problem with another. I like in this book as Mad as Max Fury Road meets Mulan. But there's little bits exactly. of The Handmaid's Tale, The Hunger Games, and even Planet of the Apes, thrown in for good measure. Wow. Um, but I was thinking when I came up with the idea, uh, I had sent Aftershock a number of different concepts. And actually, Scout's Honor was kind of the one I had just come up with. Um, I threw it in the bottom of the list just to, to round it out. They're like, that's the one. It's the like, one what?
1: they go for. That's there's always the, always the, way.
3: Have, the least. Always the, the one way. you have yeah.
1: no ideas yeah. for my, besides my,
3: my first thought was, oh man, like uh, this idea, you know, an all dudes book doesn't really fly in 2019 when I was coming up with it. And I was like, oh no, lean into that. Like that is a weird thing. And so having the story be about this girl who she desperately wants to be a ranger scout and yet her culture is telling her she can't be. And it, it becomes sort of a story about secrets and how oppressive and stifling we can be. Um, Kit is a character who, even though she's kind of the best ranger scout there is, She's always got her guard up. She's always got kind of this armor on where she, you know, she can't let her guard down because somebody might find out that she's committing kind of this ultimate blasphemy. And we'll see. Um, it's not really a spoiler at this point since issue two is out. the same thing with her best friend, Des, who um, he's the son of the scoutmaster, Who's kind of the political and religious leader of this cult. Oh boy. We find out that <laughs> Dez is gay. And, mm. That was a a big part of this story was figuring out, you know, when you strip away the post-apocalyptic elements and the Boy Scout elements, it really is the story of kind of a small, isolated conservative town. And for certain people who fit this really rigid mold of masculinity, the world's your oyster. But what happens when you don't? How do you kind of navigate that world? Um, and how do you kind of figure out how to live and accept yourself authentically and live an authentic life? And I think that's something that a lot of people kind of struggle with. Um, I think it's an ongoing, lifelong concern for a lot of people, and I, I can certainly say um, a lot of this book was uh, autobiographical in a way. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I, I I didn't grow up in a cult, and I, I obviously didn't <laughs> that. Um, you grew up oh, two hundred yeah. years yeah. in the future. Yeah, though, right? the, the so. um, yeah. but I I, uh, I grew up in in a in a particularly conservative upbringing. Um, I grew up in Missouri, a particularly uh, political and religious conservative house, um, a conservative Jewish house. And it wasn't until I left home that I really kind of had that political and spiritual reawakening. But I remember just how disorienting it was. I remember kind of feeling like, oh, all these things that I had been raised to believe, sort of the the small government, um, stay out of your bedroom conservatives, that doesn't really exist anymore. Um, and Truth. kind of realizing like, oh, no, my political views were actually much more left than I thought. Um, I was a Democrat and didn't know it but it's really just <laughs> recalibrate your own internal moral and ethical and spiritual compass. But that's part of the coming of age. I think that's something we all experience. And I think that is kind of the emotional core and the, and the emotional spine of this book. But we also have post-apocalyptic boy scout cults. And yeah. right. And there's a lot of fighting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Uh, Alex, you know, bringing
1: it back to masculine shit because he can't handle this <laughs> real conversation. Okay. You yeah, can beard. that's the beer. Uh, oh, that, and that's why you move out to where you live now, LA. So you can yeah. um, really yeah. let those.
3: I, I do it. I did it to be as masculine as possible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In
1: LA you're, I, you could be that masculine. Uh,
3: yeah. Ideal. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 been a a, a a fun book. I'm I'm working with a really talented team on this. Um, artist Luca Casalinguita, you might know him from his work on Lost Soldiers over at mm-hmm. Image, um, or James Bond uh, over at Dynamite, yeah. um, and uh, he's just he has got this you know sort of Italian style, kind of in the vein of like a Joe Kubert,
4: mm-hmm. and um,
3: you know uh, with a little with a little bit of like Jock thrown in, in the mix. Yeah, that's Artists great. Are, it's he's he's just he's not only able to nail these really fun action moments, which everybody, you know, wants to see in the book, but this is also a book that's got these kind of thoughtful pauses where, you know, characters like Kit or Des are sort of thinking like, oh man, did I see what I think I just saw? Like, you know, it, it, did I, it, that must be me playing, you know, a trick of the mind. And, um, and Luca really kind of nails those poignant, quiet moments. Um, and so I, I always say, I save the tearjerker moments for like the last two issues but he's really been kind of wringing out the emotion uh, with every single scene. And it's just been, um, I- I've been really fortunate to be able to work with him and colorist Matt Miller um, from daredevil. Uh, I remember when our editor, Christina Harrington said, Hey, what do you think about Matt as the colorist? And I remember saying, are we allowed to do that? Like, <laughs> 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 he's, he's just uh, a real artist's artist artist. he's able to kind of, balance nicely that kind of dusty post-apocalyptic feel with this sort of these hot neon teals and magentas kind of just showing how alien this irradiated world still is yeah um and then carlos manguel our letter kind of rounding out the 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 team just a really nice sense of texture that he's throwing even just in the dialogue it really reminds you that this is like a, a harsher world and even seeing just in your your standard word balloons, um, the the little flourishes of style that Carlos throws into the mix, it it really, um, I feel fortunate. I'm kind of the, the the least experienced of the of the team, and so it, it's uh, incredible to have such an amazing team at my back. They really have elevated my scripts far beyond anything I could have imagined. and um, So I'm really oh. grateful I'm part of I team. have a hardball
1: question for you. Um, yeah, sure. I never made it across the Weeblos Bridge. Maybe that's what yeah. it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I was a Cub Scout. Uh, yeah. So most of my uh, scouting was focused on the Pinewood Derby. Mm-hmm. Oh, Will yeah. my Pinewood Derby experience be reflected in this book at any point? Because <laughs> it's about waiting the front of the car. Mm-hmm. you got to have a yeah, heavy yeah. front. Light
3: back. so we 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 have and, and nobody has actually noticed it yet but i'm going to put it out there is that we had kind of our little our little riff on the pinewood derby that that they, they call them sand vultures and they're kind of like the, the <laughs> sort of badass reclaimed motorcycles of the the ranger scouts and um i'm so glad you brought it up because like nobody's mentioned it in any of the reviews <laughs> um, but uh yeah you know it, it's just I'm a sucker for a good car chase. And so we had, we do have little elements of that, uh, uh nice. scattered throughout scattered book. Um, but, uh, yes, uh, I do remember building, uh, helping my brothers build their Pinewood Derby cars. And so, uh, that was definitely something I wanted to make sure we had a little wink and nod to, but, uh, we got all sorts of fun stuff in it. Um, yeah. you know, we've got uh, merit badges. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually wrote back matter in the first issue, explaining the religious elements of all these different Ranger Scout <laughs> merit badges. Oh, wow. Um, you know, the, the the explosives merit badge uh, reflecting their creation myth, for example, yeah. where they're from, like the world started an explosion and now they're obsessed with kind of figuring out how bombs work because if you don't respect the bomb. You might be consumed next. Hmm. Uh, Ooh, that's yeah. a
1: terrifying badge.
3: <laughs> yeah you know, or, uh, sure. are
0: you gonna are you gonna produce are you going to actually produce these badges i mean i know they're in the yes. back of the book you can cut out yes. the book if you want um, i love cutting can... up comics personally but
2: <laughs> come
3: on this, man respect this the this art has a, this has been a really fun uh actually promotion that aftershock has been doing um i think for the first issue if you ordered uh 20 copies or more you would get copies of um i think it was the wildlife survival merit badge mm-hmm. and then if you got copies of our incentive cover you would get the recon merit badge I believe, um, I believe issue two, two on, is if you order more than 10 copies, you can get a, a different merit badge with each issue. So I believe it's uh, Wildlife Mastery is the issue two badge. Um, and oh, you can no. see our... Tough uh, one to our, get. Yeah, our Suicide <laughs> Hornets, um, uh, which are kind of a big monster that we will be seeing in issue three. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, so much of this book is about, um, it, you know to 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 quote my 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 high school uh, uh, history teacher, Howard Zinn was talking about how history is written by the victors, And I would claim that history is written by the survivors. It's sort of a game of telephone that kind of mythologizes and builds on itself. But what happens if you cut that game of telephone? Um, human beings, they want that continuity. you know we we grasp to the past to kind of figure out how to orient ourselves to the future. And I thought, what would happen if we're in a new dark ages? What kind of scraps of the old world would we grab onto? What direction would we take from there? And then get to watch how these little bits of iconography get to mutate over the course of two hundred years. And uh, that's been that's been really kind of the fun world building of Scouts Honor. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, saying, oh, you know, uh, an old Boy Scout pocket knife has metamorphosized into what they call switchblades, and they're giant like Final Fantasy Buster swords that have little Mm -hmm. subblades. Hidden inside the main blade, because they're like, oh well, that's just how the the original Ranger Scouts did it, and it's very much a conversation that you hear today in the news when you hear people talking about, oh well, the founding fathers intended, blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, they probably they probably were not imagining you know iPhones and streaming video and COVID. Um, Except George Washington.
1: George Washington was like, um, hit me up on Twitter at. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, ch- <laughs> check out. Cherry
0: Chee Choppa.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Choppa. Yeah. Choppa. Yeah. Uh, uh, before we let yeah.
0: you go, uh, David, uh, so first and second issue. Second issue just came out. Is this yeah. a limited series? Is it ongoing? Yeah, What's the plan at this, this, this point? This be a
3: five-issue miniseries. Uh, I'm a big believer in don't overstay your welcome in a book. Um, so uh, yeah. issues three, uh, just, you know, you can ask your local comic shop to uh, add Scouts Honor to your pull list. Issue four is available for pre-order now. The uh, code is Feb for February two one zero nine nine zero. So uh, you can and I believe Issue five will be up for uh, in previews probably in the next couple of weeks. Um, but uh, yeah, just ask your local comic shop to uh, add Scouts Honor to your pull list. It's a huge help. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, beyond that, uh, tell them to order heavy so you can get yourself some Ranger Scout merit badges. They are super 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 limited edition. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a fun book. And, uh, one that I think it's got some heart for it being a post-apocalyptic book. And it's good. Awesome.
1: I think I have the right takeaway here. I'm going to start and then really push a boy scout based cult uh, for the next 200 years. Perfect. I think Perfect. I've taken the takeaways correct here, right? Yeah. My Swiss army it. knife has the fork and I eat with it and then put it back, which is a very mm-hmm. classic. As long smart as it's boy giant, thing.
3: as long as you make it a giant, uh, spork. Then you're you're great. The cult yes. of Spork. Excellent.
0: <laughs> David, thank it's you so real, much for coming on. Always a pleasure chatting with you. Congrats thank on the book. It's right. a lot of fun. Great see right. you again.
3: Have a Bye. great night, guys.
0: See you, David. Later. All right. Once again, David Peoples, uh, uh he yeah, man, is... he's
1: got his shit together. He's dropping the order code for the <laughs> yeah, comic book. Wow. That is legit. Yeah.
0: On the other hand, Pete cannot sit in the center of his camera. Like no, I thought this was I thought this was the way that it was chopped off. When it was this ratio, but nope, even when we're the widescreen ratio, shy. you're still like, he's all the shy, way over here.
1: he's a so shy, shy little guy. He's, he's got shy, the man. Mountain Dew shyness that's creeping into his face <laughs> right
0: now. Uh well I'll tell you about it. I'm gonna again uh our <laughs> we have a lot of guests this show, so we're gonna keep on going here. Derek Robertson will be up after our next guest, but first we're gonna invite Natalie Zena Walshots into the bu- uh into the stream. Her book is called Hench. It's a lot of fun. You definitely should read it. Ladies and gentlemen, Natalie Zina Walshots. How are you doing?
5: Hello, hey. I'm great. Hello.
0: Good. How badly did I mangle your name?
5: No, you nailed it. <laughs> oh Natalie I nailed it. Yeah. Oh, As in just shoot a wall. You did great.
0: Oh, <laughs> thank you uh, so the book is called The Hench it came out in mm-hmm. September I have to admit I was kind of late I don't think I read it until probably January or something like That's
5: that not late you're fine you're definitely um, I'm, I'm okay. it's a book oh yeah
0: <laughs> there's a cutoff period after six months you're like nope can't read a book anymore uh I read it as a superhero fan and was totally enamored with the characters really enjoyed the plot line. It developed in really fascinating surprising ways that I wasn't expecting particularly from the beginning. Um, But for those who haven't read the book, what was the genesis of it? What is the germ of it? How do you pitch it out? and no pressure but david was very good at pitching.
5: Oh, was, you know, no he was this is this is frankly unfair <laughs> and <laughs> i would like to complain to the authorities. Uh, no so Hen- hench follows uh, the narrative of a young henchwoman one of the um, you know frequently uh, downtrodden and certainly not very respected or appreciated uh, employees of supervillains. Um, she's just a temp at the beginning of the novel, um, trying to find a job that you know might last more than a couple of weeks and possibly has dental in the process. Uh, her very first run-in with an actual superhero ends up being devastating for her, uh, both career-wise and physically. Um, and recovering from a very serious injury, um, she. You know, does some math like you do and uh, realizes that superheroes are actually quite bad uh, for, especially for the communities that they're ostensibly there to protect. Um, And sort of that starts her on her own and much deeper and weirder villainous career
0: one of the things that i really liked about it again as a superhero fan, i think that was the main reason i started to pick it up but as somebody who freelanced for a really long time I oh was yeah. like, oh <laughs> i i feel this i feel what's going on here was that i, I too
5: freelanced yeah. for an extremely long time <laughs> uh my and Lance it, it comes been, from my a Lance. real <laughs> place <Yeah.
0: laughs>
5: it's uh it's not it's I, I joke that it's like obviously not an autobiography but it's not not an autobiography. <laughs> and I certainly put a lot of that, you know, angst and frustration and feeling super stuck in my life, in my career. You know, I I, um, I finished an MA in like 2008. So at like at the exact moment that, you know, the economy where I was just kind of imploded on itself. Uh, and that was that was a really tough time to try, especially to try and build a creative career. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, 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 I definitely poured a lot of, a lot of those unfortunate experiences into, into Anna's early henching life for sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, one of the other things that I think is probably neat for comic book fans, and this is mm-hmm. something I think that, you know, typically is a derogatory way of saying it. It's not what I mean at all, but like very typically with these sort of things, you have analogs to other heroes and you kind of have it in here. There's sort of a Superman figure, sort of a Wonder Woman figure, but they really like spin off from there. How difficult knowing these very established characters was it to go and try to create iconic superheroes, iconic supervillains that didn't necessarily riff off of the ones that we knew?
5: That's a great question, um, and I, I don't have a very good answer for it other than uh, I didn't create them in opposition to mm. a character. Mm. So uh, you know, Super Collider certainly has um, like very light shades of Superman, kind of in the in the sense that um, he's head and shoulders above most of his contemporaries in terms of respect and power level and that kind of thing. Just kind of in a, a separate, not human almost class um but that was it you know if if anything maybe a little bit more red sun superman than Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. traditional superman but uh i definitely didn't build him to be um you know the the like shadow superman he was he was more the what is the embodiment of toxic masculinity how can i pour (laughs) all of my anger into a human shaped thing and that's really where it came from um i've said this before but i i really think a lot of comics have uh a ton in common with the fairy queen like the the Mm. medieval um Mm. epic poem in that characters uh Tend to be allegories for ideas or concepts. So you know the way that so superheroes tend to be allegories for truth or justice, much more than they are human beings with ordinary flaws and rough edges and you know obsessions and all that kind of stuff. Um, So when when I was creating the heroes, I tried to keep that in mind to make them kind of walking, speaking ideas, same with the villains, like the the big ones, um, the, you know, that sort of have uh, that, that idea-ness of them becomes kind of more important than their humanity. Um, so yeah, I, I, I definitely, Created them not like I never thought like I need to make sure that quantum um, like quantum entanglement is not too Wonder Womany like that that was just kind of not on uh, on my radar. But what was on my radar was how can I create a character who embodies the ideas that I really want present in what that character represents.
1: Yeah, uh, I have uh, one quick, ahead, quick just... question. Uh, when will you release the ghost that you have trapped in the lantern behind you? <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> this is, that... this is uh, just a bundle of LEDs from AliExpress shoved into, oh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, into like an Ikea lantern. Yeah, that's it. <laughs>
1: it changed color when you started talking
5: about it that's my partner uh who is extremely dramatic (laughs) who uh thought it thinks it's it's very cool to change the lights behind i love it i I got scared
2: because i thought your pillow was moving and then i realized it's a cat
5: no, it's a cat. Yeah, these are these uh, were originally supposed to be for you know decor, mm-hmm. but now they're just nap trays. So.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and not life. to not
0: to toot our own horn. You can tell we're good interviewers because we're not concentrating yeah. on you. We're looking at your cat and your lantern.
1: Yeah,
5: I'm yeah. fake. Hey, no, I, I mean we got to take. I it the whole there's experience. a lot going on here. I, I
1: understand. <laughs> also, those cats look positively <laughs> They look like full human sized cats. Um, <laughs> But it's, I it's mean, exciting. Inky,
5: what are you Inky here is kind of the size of a man. Like when he walks down the <laughs> stairs, it definitely sounds like a human person is oh, is wow. like moving around my apartment. So you're not wrong.
0: <laughs> you touched on this a little earlier, but one of my favorite parts of the book, and it, it definitely spirals out from here. But like you were talking about, the main character Anna starts kind of breaking down the actual cost of what these superhero battles would do. She starts setting up a blog that eventually leads to more of a career where she's running social media and running the numbers. How much of that for you as a writer then was trying to figure out those numbers and whether they work?
5: (laughs) Oh, they're real. That is, that is, that's a great question. No, they're, they're a hundred percent real. Uh, the math that Anna uses (laughs) is based on real world equations. I have the spreadsheets. I can show you them. Uh, they, they are amazing. Um, so Ilan Noy, the researcher who's quoted in the book is a real person who super generously, like, let me use his very important research that, you know, usually organizations like who (laughs) are, are taking advantage of, uh, but he, he let me quote him and, uh, uh, the the um, disability adjusted life years that she uses are you know are, are a, a real world measure of the impact of natural disasters um, that form a a actually shockingly good um, way of measuring the impact that <laughs> superheroes would have on uh, on those communities. Um, the the incidents that are in the book are um, both inspired by. Comic scenarios and also like real world disasters and kind of the analog cities um, that you know kind of exist in, in the book's universe to, to ours. Um, I went, I read a lot of year one comics and took note of every single injury, death, and uh, incident of property damage, mm-hmm. um, and then you know ran it through the equations. Uh, it you know depend, depends on like. You know, Metropolis is New York. So if the, you know, it happened in Metropolis, I used, you know, New York numbers to Mm -hmm. make that work and 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 so on. Uh, And I ran I ran those calculations and they're real. That's amazing. Uh, Batman costs like over 400 life years a year. (laughs)
4: <laughs> wow.
0: yeah. Is he yeah. the is he the deadliest of the ones that you? He's do? real bad. He's Sorry, real bad. By the way,
5: I would just like to disabuse everyone of the notion that Batman doesn't kill people. He does. He just like there. Is, it is statistically impossible, even if he in the moment does not murder a person, that somebody <laughs> he like dropped down a stairwell like is going to land bad and you're dead. The human yeah. bodies are incredibly squishy and fragile. Or are going, you know, that person suffers a complex spinal injury, gets a bed sore three years from now, and dies, and legally that's murder. <laughs> so yeah. there, it is it is absolutely straight up impossible with the body count that Batman has that he hasn't killed a lot of people. And um, it was it was very important to me both in the research phase and in the book that. Uh, the injuries and the the medical stuff and the kind of physical abject um, as it is present uh, was as realistic as possible and as horrifying as possible. Because I think we kind of gloss over how um, like, you know, a superhero will be like riddled with bullets. And then like two issues later, they have like a bandage around their midsection (laughs) and like a brace on. And then they're fine. No, you're not. You're not like it's, it's, that's not how, or at least not how, you know, squishy on, superpowered people are
1: right now. can uh,
5: you have a, what, Oh,
1: go ahead, Justin. I was going to say, Sorry. what, can you give um, some advice to all the hench people out there on how to get by? Because I feel like, you know, <laughs> you're the expert. And I, I think Alex has made the point yeah. that we're all sort of hench people in a <laughs> fucked up way. Oh, well, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how I've, do we I've get by on a business card? Yeah.
5: 100%. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, get paid, get paid upfront if you can. Uh, if you won't, if your client won't pay you upfront, uh, get half upfront if you can. Uh, and if you absolutely cannot do that, put late fees in your contract um, and make a note of it Ooh, nice. on every invoice that you send. That is uh, because, good uh, advice. <laughs> like like d- dead serious, like, The number one problem I have had as a freelancer in my life is getting people to pay me on time as they are supposed to. It is shocking. Um, So, yeah, charge late fees, like unabashedly charge late fees and remind them of it every single in every single email. Uh, And, yeah, if you can't get paid up front, even in part, do it.
1: This Since oh sorry, this paid. job is an this job is an N plus ninety job. So we don't get paid for three more months. Like the job is right now. What what are you talking about?
5: Like, <laughs> yeah, like absolutely. Like, no, we 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 have a we have the likes I've had places like tell me up front there's a six month or more lead. I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm gonna do this work right now and then like I guess in the summer I'll be able to pay <laughs> off my credit card. That's cool. And Plus it means you're
1: always bothering. You always have to be worrying about that. And like, when do I bother these people? It it, becomes, it means you're working for that oh, entire yeah. six months period.
5: It is a very fine line between like, how annoying can I be uh, where we're, we're just on the right side of goodwill? Like un- mm-hmm. unless it's, you know, time to go thermonuclear and they're dead to me and then you know we're, we're going <laughs> at it but like if i ever want to work for this person again how can i be like very fuck you pay me while also being like <laughs> have a great day <laughs> good to uh, see you you know
1: we're also close to becoming the supervillains that we uh,
0: need
5: so to be close. so close so very uh, close <laughs>
4: we got
0: a question here on youtube from Ramsey hassan says will you do a comic adaptation or sequel spin-off as a comic of hedge
5: i, hedge. I would 100% love to like absolutely yeah. um there's there's nothing certain in the world in terms of of a sequel. I would love for that to happen. That sounds like rad as heck. Uh, I <laughs> love writing these characters. I love spending time in this universe. Uh, I'm super open to the idea of a comic adaptation, whether that's like in universe, like a direct adaptation of this storyline or in in universe spinoff stuff. I'm, I'm super into the idea, but uh, there are no immediate sure plans. But wow, would that be cool?
0: Yeah. Go buy the
5: book, people. Let's make it uh,
0: happen. I have uh, one last question for you before we let you go. Mm-hmm. This is actually from my wife, who also read and really enjoyed the book. Uh, the main character's name is Anna Tromedlov, which is Voldemort backwards. Sure is. Was there <laughs> any glad to have somebody reveal that at some point in the book? Or is no, that just a funny that was, story?
5: uh Not at all. That was okay. me like... Uh, making a joke to myself very mm-hmm. early on in the draft you. of you know and uh and it stuck around and the less comfortable i got uh with jk rowling as a human and creator that i would ever want to be associated with any in any way like the the you know slightly more conflicted i felt about that um but uh, kind of in a you know Tom Marvolo riddle, I am Lord Voldemort Inversion. Uh, it was hard to it was hard to take it out um, yeah, while but- also kind of acknowledging, the like general veneer of of shittiness.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, that is an amazing turn of That's, phrase. Uh, put that have another... on the book.
1: Put that on yeah. the
0: cover. Uh, one last question, actually, for you, for the well, you can't concept. say
2: one last, the last I know Eduardo, <laughs> Eduardo. Eduardo it's posted it while work. I was
0: saying that. While she was answering, it says, uh, was there any pushback from publishers for pursuing this as a prose novel as opposed to a comic?
5: No, not at all. I I have. uh, I have an amazing agent. He's a wizard uh, and Mm -hmm. he matched me with David Pomerico, um, my editor who like grokked what I was trying to do immediately and was a absolute hero about the whole thing and championed the book. Like people have been championing this book from the beginning and I am super lucky in that I got to work with people who like legit, loved it and got what I was trying to do and wanted it to exist in the world in the version that I saw it as also great thing about writing novels you can you can just make it up right like I I write for video games too so it's it's not like what can the engine do like what is what can the character models do like what what do we have room in a comic like someone has to draw this <laughs> is that within like this artist skill set or this realm of possibility or whatever same thing with film and tv i can just make up anything i want That's awesome.
0: great uh we have a third one last question for you from for a stand up <laughs> guy great. uh what are your cat's names forwards or backwards
5: Uh, They only go one way, uh, but Mm. the eldest is Lydia. She's 17 and asleep over here. Then there's Inky, Blinky, and Clyde. Um, Inky and Clyde are brothers. Blinky came first. Uh, She's very lovable, but very, very stupid. And uh, we have a new (laughs) kitten whose name is Gojira, uh, but mostly we just make Mm. beeping noises at her.
1: (laughs) Yes, as you you must. That cat is living strong, 17 Uh, years old.
5: Yeah, she's she's amazing. She's yeah. also like the cat that will end you.
0: <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. Uh, Natalie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Congratulations to the yeah. book. Uh, as we said for everybody out there, no expiration date. You can go pick it up right now. It's books so good. keep going. Yeah, yeah. Figures crossed around. We get a sequel. They're not like I avocados.
5: <laughs> I hope not. Thank you guys so much. This has been a blast. All right. Thank have a great you.
0: All right. Uh, once again, Natalie Natalie zino Washots. Uh, the book is called Hench. It's out right now. It's super fun. And I'll tell you what, we're going to invite our last guest of the evening into this pack show here. Uh, you know him from his work on The Boys and many other things, but currently he's working on a bunch of other stuff, including Space Bastards. Ladies and gentlemen, Derek Robertson. Hello. Hey, hey. Hi, guys. Hi. How are you? I'm
6: good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on.
0: Oh, my gosh. Uh, thanks yeah. for your patience. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. I feel like
6: I'm going to be a real disappointment after your last two guests, though. They were no way. They know their shit. And they're <laughs> on top of no, Sorry. you already have an inherent it's drama. A problem you... on your show? No. Oh, Go. please. Man. No. <laughs> <it's wrong. laughs>
4: I love
0: before it. I should have asked uh, that
6: before I started swearing, but
0: No, that's good. You got a great setup there. You got a backdrop. You're good to go. You're uh, in like a,
2: a
1: noir version of this show, and I love like,
0: yeah. there's a
1: murderer is going to happen in your cube.
6: Like, it's like the worst, most uh, simple arrangement that just hides my filthy studio from the yeah. world. <laughs> I just I, put a sheet on the ceiling. That's all. I, I, I do love
0: not to make you feel self-conscious the way you dress with the hat and the way you're facing. It well, does I feel saw like my you're... COVID hair earlier, oh, and you were okay. like, "I
1: need a hat." <laughs> yeah, I, I
6: mean, just that I'm starting to see just how awful the pandemic's been to me. So. It just feels <laughs> like
0: you're going to break out into piano solo at any I point. I
6: could. I can play piano.
0: That would be amazing. <laughs> uh, we would um, love that. that. Not well, but I can play. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about Space Bastards yeah. as. As usual with yes. this show we brought yet another totally successful kickstarter on here uh, this yes. one you have running right now it's for volume two of the hardcover yeah. uh, and it's doing great you have like i think a little over two days left as we're taping this
6: yeah but please go and pledge because these guys have put a like eric and joe uh the writers uh before i came on board had already put so much of their heart and soul into this project that Yeah, when they, you know, they they got their funding from the first Kickstarter in order to hire me and then brought me on as a co-creator because I came, I originally came on just to do covers for them, but they were so happy with the cover art. They're like, what will it take to bring you on full (laughs) time? And I'm like, oh, here's my rate. And, you know, and they were like, we can do that. And I'm like, okay, sounds like fun. They offered me, you know, uh, to co-create. And so I was able to go in and kind of build the thing up visually from the ground up again. And uh, that was from what they originally envisioned. And uh, yeah, and it ended up being a lot of fun. It was, they're, they're, uh, you should have them on sometime because they're really funny guys.
1: Would love to, yeah. Uh, uh, so
0: it's guy. interesting, uh, I mean, you talked about this a little bit, but in terms of the collaboration for something like this, they have a whole video on the Kickstarter where it's you and Puppet 4, <laughs> but they're trying to convince you of it. Uh, you've clearly done like, I know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to guess that wasn't a documentary, but you've I clearly done- I was, a, was a
6: surprise. I didn't know they were making a Muppet <laughs> out of me. And, I mean so I this song in the Muppets in my head the whole time watching it. Am I a man? Yeah. A <laughs> Muppet? Yeah, yeah.
0: Well um, when you've Muppet Muppet done when you've done as many projects as you've done, I mean, I know everybody, like we were just talking about with uh Natalie just before, everybody's always looking for work as a freelancer, but you've yeah. done TransMet, you've done The Boys, you've done all these series. So I'm sure you're uh, in demand. So when somebody approaches you for a project like this, uh, what sells you on it? What are the th- what are the ingredients you're looking for that brings you onto a book?
6: Well, I mean, the irony in that question is that I had no idea if the boys or Transmetropolitan were mm-hmm. going to be successful when we started, and and in the days we were doing Transmetropolitan, we struggled. Uh, Six issues into the boys, even though it was doing well, they canceled us at DC. So, you know, like my, uh, my radar for these kind of things really comes back down to do I like the people I'm working with and, and does it sound like fun? Uh, you know, because I didn't get into comics to make money. Uh, anybody that works in comics what? will tell you that that's, yeah. Uh, if there was a brief period in the nineties, you could do it. And about seven guys did. And then everybody yeah. else. You know, I, oh, I think ship. I know who you're talking about actually. But you could. we just all watch that ship sail into the distance, never to return. I remember Eric yeah. Larson telling me straight up at a convention in the highlight of all of that. And he went, yeah. And this is before they went to image. But Eric Larson was the one who said to me, he said, yeah, save your money. This isn't going to last. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> oh, wow. right. To be that clear, wow. then, at that point. He, was, that's, he knew it. He knew it. he said, this, this is never going to last. And I was like, I had just arrived. So I was like, kind of like defiant. I was like young and stupid. And I was like, yes, it will. People are finally discovering comics. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> let me ask but, you, uh, though. Let's let's talk you,
6: about. Sorry, talking about
1: picking, you picking the stuff you want to work on. It yeah. feels like the, a lot of the stuff you work on has sort of like uh, a point, satirical. Really, it has a punch to it when it comes to the the commentary. Is that something you factor into it when you're looking at what you want to work on?
6: Uh, yeah, I mean, it it just it, if it appeals to my sensibilities, I guess. Um, in the case of Space Bastards, they had that world so. Clearly in mind, they really put a lot of thought and time into those characters. That all I really wanted to do was come in and and bring them to life. You know, um, that's not my artwork. Uh, yep, yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> I get into well, it Well, again, uh, they were, again there, getting <laughs> there. You know, but in, in this case, also the characters. It was an opportunity for me to build. That's not me. Yep. Uh, it's an all the pages
0: to... got mixed in there. Sorry about that. No, it's
6: okay. I just don't want anybody looking at this going, is why'd you draw it that way?" Because. <laughs> Um, But you know, but the, the real inspiration with this was to try to uh, bring about um, a realization to the world that they were thinking of, and plus it was kind of an anything goes world, which is my favorite to create in. Transmetropolitan was that kind of a world where I was able to make the world visually, so there was no wrong. Yeah. And in this case, like I brought a lot more aliens into it and wanted it to be more of uh, like a Looney Tune, and because I saw like like the, what they were doing, like the the action. I didn't want the action to really hurt. I wanted it to be almost more slapstick with a lot of blood. And I, I think that's what I achieved because that seems to be re- reflected in the reviews. But, uh, <laughs> that's what made this, but that's what made this thing fun is that like, they're very aware of that. These characters who they are there, there's really not a good guy in the punch <laughs> and Roy Sharpton is the worst. And yet he's sort of like enigmatic because he's so shameless and stupid. <laughs> that You almost can't wait to see how he failed upwards and how what's going to happen next. You know. Uh, that, well, that, this that this may not That's
0: make it. quite as much sense for people listening to the audio podcast. Obviously, we're also simulcasting this on Crowdcast and YouTube. But just because we have this up right now, talking about this character from Space Bastards up here, what what goes into designing that? I mean, where do you where do you start? Is that a specific description in the script? Is it yeah, improvising, no, and playing around? I, I mean,
6: he was an alien. The only description they had is that he was supposed to have a mouth that looked like an anus. Um, (laughs) so, the very first drawing I did. He does. But as I got to draw him more, I never imagined I'd have to put him in a tux until they asked for that cover. Um, But he, he he was just, he's, he's my favorite character, by the way, his name is Zordak Um, because he's so, he's such a dichotomy. You'll he's going to get his big uh, debut in the next issue. Um, but I, in this case, I was just trying to bring something to him where I could understand the personality. I wanted to bring some personality out in him because uh, had I kept him the way he was originally conceived, I don't think he would have emoted as much. And I think in this character's case, it's fun when he does, because he goes from being super sweet to one of the most badass characters in the bunch. Like he's almost unstoppable. Kind of like what I love about Wolverine, you know, mm. like Wolverine's all nice to Logan and Kitty Pride, And then he, you know pops his claws and takes on the Hulk. So uh, <laughs> yeah. Zordak is, it was a lot of fun. Um, and so my thinking on that, the, the if, if you look real close when you read in the book, you'll notice that his nostrils are actually another set of eyes.
4: Ah, <laughs> oh. wow. that's really interesting. Cool. Uh, yeah,
0: um, that's hilarious. One think. other thing while we're still looking at this picture, I mean, this isn't necessarily unique, but it is something that I really identify with your style. There's little uh, hash marks that he has on his chin. I feel like you use that a lot artistically to shade things in. Uh, How did that develop? How did that become something that you rely on as a technique?
6: Oh, that's, that's just called feathering. Uh, (laughs) It's just supposed to convey shape and form.
0: Okay, all oh, right that's just, that's <laughs> yeah well, I, I don't recognize. know I, I just feel like I I look at your stuff and I feel like I see that it's it's very prominent in your work in a nice way that makes me think, oh okay, that's Derek Robertson drew this, but
6: well i, I honestly, I've just been studying my heroes all these years, and that's like the way it looks right to me, mm-hmm. so that's kind of how Brian Ballen does it much yeah. better than I do. Um, but I kind of look at his work, I look at Dave Stevens inking, I like uh, I like a lot of those 2000 AD, uh, classic artist style. And that to me, just, it just makes sense. It's just, it's just feathering. That's the, that's all I'm seeing. Gotcha. Uh, I don't when really you come think, to something, I, it's hard for me to see okay. my own style. People say that, but I don't see it because it's, I'm sort of got a blind spot. Right. Cause all I see is what I would go back and fix.
1: Oh, mm. <laughs> uh, you um, you get to draw in the the projects you choose. You get to draw so many, um, so much violence, but also so much, so many comedic moments. How do you approach those different pages, or is there one that you prefer? Uh, just a truly horrifying thing, or just like an an absolute punchline of a moment?
6: Oh, I, I don't know. I mean, for me, I my job is a storyteller. Um, my job is to make sure whatever the writer is trying to convey. If it's horror, I try to make it horrific. If it's funny, I try to make it funny. If it's, you know, for me, that's my job. I'm, I'm, I'm the whole one man show visually. So I'm designing the sets. I'm designing the costumes. I'm the actors. I'm the lighting. I'm everything. So if it's, you know, if it's a noir story or supposed to be intense, I'll go in and I'll go back and look at Eisner and get some ideas for how to do good noir lighting or, um if it's supposed to be funny i try to make it funny you know and then that's why uh, you know chuck jones looney tunes was a big inspiration for how i approach space bastards because it's he would make violence funny
3: yeah
0: so uh, it's just sure it's
6: about just bringing in and, and honing down on what the point of the story is yeah i don't try to have a one-size-fits-all approach to any
3: one thing
0: uh, you have a bunch of other projects that are going right now, including this was just announced, I believe, either yesterday or maybe late last week. But Batman Legends of the Dark yeah. Knight is something you're working on. That's yeah. Uh, yeah
4: you I'm, seem I'm really pretty
0: excited, excited about that.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on, your hat, I'm on hat moon, off it. Your, landed back on top of your hair. What's that? That's how excited your hat just popped off your head when we mentioned uh, <laughs> <laughs> Batman and landed back on your head. So Dean's <laughs> <seems> excited. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, so yeah. what what can we expect from that? And what in particular is so exciting about that for you, other than the fact, of course, that it's Bad?
6: Well, I'm writing it and I, I you know, I'm not yeah. known for my writing, but I started out in, in my career as a writer and an artist doing a book called Space Beaver. Uh, and I've always <laughs> I always enjoy writing, but I almost feels like a waste of time when I can be working with the likes of the people I've collaborated with over the years and other writers that I still want to work with that um, writing my own stuff almost feels self-indulgence. I, I, and it's almost more fun to collaborate sometimes because a lot of times, even on the stuff I co-create, I get in, I talk to the writer and bring my own ideas to it. Um, but this is a really rare case where years ago they were doing the legends of the dark night uh, right before the big move from D.C. going to Burbank, uh, they had hired me yeah. to do this story, and so I wrote this back in 2013. But it was based on an idea that I pitched that I thought up when I was a teenager.
4: Uh, yeah. It was a Batman well, idea that Batman. I had
6: when I was a teenager, and I went and I was doing my sample pages to try to break in. And back in the day, you would you know do a short story, four pages or so, and bring that to an editor and go, "What do you think?" You know, and try to get a job. So this idea, I had the nugget of this idea for years. I've carried it with me since the 80s. And um, so when they asked me if I wanted to do one of these, I was like, yeah, I'd love to. And so I pitched it, and it was originally a 30-page story. Uh, The then editor, Hank Canals, came back and said, "Uh, we love the idea. Can you put more villains in it? (laughs) That's kind of like, we're having a (laughs) party. Would you like an extra large pizza? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) More? Thank you. Uh, so I went back and restructured it, and then they, they allowed me another 30 pages. So it's a 60-page story. It has all a whole bunch of Batman's classic villains in it, and they're all tied together with the I, with the new character. I, I'm creating two new characters for this, uh, wow. for the Batman universe in this story. Uh, one of them is, this, uh, is the lead character you need in Chapter 1. They're 10-page chapters, and his name's Gas Mask, and he's this Russian... Um, uh, black market guy that I'd read an article years ago about how some of the places that they're holding these old uh, Russian uh, war leftover war Cold War weapons uh, bunkers that are unprotected and they're easily broken into, and so mm. there were guys like getting a hold of these weapons and selling them on the black market. And so I heard a thing about the around this time too. There was a sarin gas attack in in Tokyo on the subway. Yeah, yeah. And- my head started spinning on like oh what if a guy like that brought this to Gotham and then it occurred to me like all of Batman's villains use gas in a certain way like they've all of them oh, have yeah. some weird use of gas like you know Riddler will put it in a in a package that'll explode and you'll get gassed and Penguin has it in his umbrella and puts you to sleep and Joker has that's it You know, it's so, so
1: funny that's such a, yeah. a great observation you think they, <laughs> compa- they would compare notes like well how do you keep yeah. your game
6: and Scarecrow, Durs right. And Scarecrow's got his paranoia gas. So the, the, in my story, they're all competing to be the first one to get their hands on this weapons grade gas that's up and above anything they've ever had to work with before. And what he's selling is very versatile so they can, you know, dilute it or make it, you know, in, in its most lethal, lethal form. It's it, 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 it'll put you out. And I did some research on sarin gas and things like that, too. So I, I there's some science in it. But, you know, hey, it's Batman, um, yeah. <laughs> but, it's, uh, but it's a lot of fun. I, I, I'm proud of the story. Um, I'm not reinventing the wheel by any means, but it's also Batman's been awake for over 36 hours at the beginning of the story and needs to go home and sleep. But when he gets uh, uh, when he, when he come, becomes aware that this gas is on the market and any of these maniacs can get their hands on it, he knows that he can't stop until he's stopped this sale from happening. So it's him on kind of like a quest to kind of stay alert and stay awake and uh, keep himself going uh, despite physical exhaustion and mental exhaustion uh, at the beginning of the story. And then he just goes through hell. And then the name of the story is good night, as in. K-N-H-I-G-T, bad night, N-I-B-H-T. So it's good night, bad night, because it's like one of the crappiest nights of Batman's, you know, time. And it's it's sort of nice (laughs) with the Legends of the Dark Knight. You can set it anywhere in his history. So it's not really relying on continuity. And again, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel or anything. I'm just telling the Batman story with a lot of passion because I love those characters.
0: What has Uh, it been like for Derek the artist to work with Derek the writer?
6: I don't like turning the writer.
4: Very much.
0: Yeah,
6: because <laughs> I'll start drawing the stuff that I write when I'm, and I, you know, it's like the the classic uh, problem. Like you, you're writing, it's like you got the, all the ideas in the world, yeah. and then you sit down to draw them, and you go, "What was I thinking? It's too much gas. Yeah. There's all this gas. Who's this writer? World? Why does he want me? Doesn't he have any idea how much time this is going to take? But yeah, I, but I, at the same time, then the good part of that is, you know. I can change it. <laughs> <It's
4: my daughter. laughs>
6: Being the writer, I call they me know up. Each I, other. Do you yeah, mind yeah, if yeah. I do this? No, I don't mind. So, <laughs> a good relationship.
0: Uh, you're also doing a <laughs> justice league story, I believe.
6: Yeah, I'm, I'm doing covers for uh, uh chip. Siddarsky's writing a uh, yes. called JLI JLA last ride. Uh, and that's, oh, yeah. that's been a lot of fun just because I get to draw. I'm drawing the justice league on a, a series of seven covers. and I'm working on the third one now. And that's I'm just loving that too. It's also for this their digital first series. That yeah, we just on. had
1: Chip on. He was telling us about the the story of that. Sounds really yeah, cool. yeah, it's a great
6: idea. I'm like, yeah. and, and the covers are a lot of fun because I'm just drawing the classic guys, and, and they're in turmoil through all of it. So
0: awesome, cool. Uh, now I know we can't ask you much, if anything, about the boys season three, but I did want to comment. Uh, you and I say this in the best way. Seem like the biggest boys fanboy on the internet. I love going to your Twitter feed. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime something breaks, what has this experience been like for you seeing not just to become a TV show, but huge.
6: It, that, that's why I'm a fan. I mean, it's like more than anything, I, <laughs> this could have been, this, this could have been terrible, you know, and I've been through experiences where, you know, they make a TV show, your thing, and you're not a part of it at all. This has been the opposite where it's like, this has been fantastic in that I've gotten to know a lot of the people. I've met the cast I'm friends with Jack Quaid now. And, you know it, it's just been uh, and i feel like a part of things they've hired me to do artwork for all three seasons um in season two you might remember there was a whole sequence with storyboards and, and oh yeah
1: that was the me. movie they hired me we spotted so that right I was, away
6: i was bummed because i did like 25 and then you see like seven and they're not even the ones i liked But that <laughs> <laughs> like, was such funny. a funny <laughs> Uh, that's
1: such a funny bit um the it, pitch in the movie yeah uh, last i love it. and, uh, yeah
6: it's, it's but that's but they they've done an amazing thing with the show what's incredible is that it's actually connected with the audience because i didn't really you know right before it, it was announced uh they canceled the tick mm-hmm. and uh, on amazon and i was like Jesus, mm, jeez is that where <laughs> oh, no, <we're> <laughs> you're that like oh we're fucked you know, well, I don't know. I mean, you, you, yeah. this is, we got canceled at TC when it was a hit. So, um, you know, that's just such a weird, I, I, but the timing couldn't have been better. They optioned this as a movie back in 2008. And so we waited yeah. all this time for it to actually get made. And now but being made as a TV series, has been kind of a godsend because they can really explore. And yeah. the cast is just incredible. I, I'm so not only are they lovely people to talk to in person, but they are so good. Anthony Starr has brought the character of Homelander so up good. so many levels that when I was just doing the comic, like nobody ever asked for a Homelander sketch. Now that's like, he's like the number one request. I yeah, wow. everybody wanted Butcher.
4: It's
1: a, <laughs> yeah, it's such a good group of actors and the way the show just, it hits so hard in season two and it, season three, the fact that they're being made now, like right when we're, we want it to happen. <laughs> it's, it's very exciting.
6: Yeah, topically, I'm. Can't, I can't believe how on the pulse yeah. they've been. Uh, that was remarkable. That's almost just good luck. I don't. I mean, that or they're just incredible. That good. Of, I mean, they are, they are that good when it comes to writing. But I just, I'm just amazed how fresh the show has been.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very uh, smart. You mentioned having your art in the show, but there's also been a lot of your stuff that's been reproduced visually on screen through sequences and other eyes. Yeah. Was there anything in particular that you were uh, very excited to see come to life?
6: Yeah, there was a moment when uh, they brought they had have terror on for one episode. And the reason being is Eric Kripke has been very clear that dogs will eat up a whole lot of shooting time because they <laughs> don't always want to cooperate um Classic. so you can't have terror there all the time which you know would be wonderful but they but they worked him into the show because they're always steering back to the comic whenever they can they have the, the difference between what they do on screen and what they can do in a comic it, it's limited you know like it's it's they're two different formats and there's a whole uh, whole lot of considerations that go into making something on film that you don't even consider when you're drawing a comic book so um when they finally brought terror on for a whole episode, I had read the episode, but there was a scene where butcher and Terror just go for a walk
4: Yeah, and yeah. they're
6: walking away from the camera and they tilted the camera a little to the left. And it was like, it came right out of my brain and it, it, wow. it, it. That's awesome. I got choked That's up. So cool. That was like, cause you know, I didn't see Carl's beard. I just saw butcher from behind and you know, there's terror trotting alongside of him. And it just felt like that was a a moment come true that I I got emotional over it was in the middle of it's been in the middle of COVID. So, you know, it was when it came out, we were supposed to do a big thing down Mm -hmm. in San Diego this last year. And, you know, that didn't happen obviously. So it was just sort of all the stuff that wasn't, I wasn't able to go out and celebrate with people just sort of kind of welled up in me. But then it was at the same time, just such a striking moment. And I I saw it throughout season one too, where uh, even though they changed it, it to the deep, Uh, exposing himself to starlight in the first episode, Uh, they mirrored the angle I used in the comic. Yeah. And then when I was on set, uh, I was there for when, uh, the first time I went to set, they were there doing the scene with Haley Joel Osment where they smash it, Butcher smashes him into the sink. And um, the, the director was setting up a shot and I was kind of standing off to the side, just kind of fascinated seeing it all come together. And I literally heard him say, I want to bring the camera down here so it's more like one of Derek's panels. And then <laughs> you were I'm like,
1: like, "I'm Derek."
6: I'm and then Derek. He, when he was done and he was getting ready to go back to the chair, I go, "Did I hear you correctly?" He said, "Oh yeah, man, we're we're trying to make this look like your stuff." Yeah, so like, so, oh. that's, that's so cool. Cool. So overwhelming. I mean, they I had a chair, that chair there with my name on it, and it was really cool. Uh, oh,
3: man. They, I'm a, I'm that's that's the way they've been
6: about the whole comic. Like they, Eric uh, Kripke sat down with me at the beginning uh, before he even wrote it. Uh, he had met with Garth, and then he sat down with me and asked us what had asked us what we wanted the show to be like. And the fact that he even was asking me was like a big deal uh, because yeah. a lot of times people just get the rights and they go do whatever they want with it, and mm-hmm. they could care less what I think.
5: But um, he's a smart, he really wanted, he's a smart he, creator he
6: and I like it. And, and I just told him it just it needs to be funny as well as, uh, you know, hard hitting. Because if it's just dark, like you're going to people are going to start telling. <laughs> it. It's me a long, hard slog. And and then I asked him to, you know, was he going to put the scene with uh, Huey holding the hands in it? And he's like, I wasn't sure. And I told him why I thought it needed to be in there. And lo and behold, he made sure it was in there.
2: That's awesome. huge.
6: And then Dan Trottenberg his own thing with it directing it like in slow-mo where I would have done it like bam you know so that's amazing ah. just to see how same moment can be reinterpreted
1: Yeah. yeah. on the terror tip it's, it's so many shows will just do like oh it's an easter egg remember this character from the comic but right. to your point I love that they really they put the emotional moment in there and actually it meant something because Butcher was you know who he is and the fact yeah. that you got to see him be emotional about this dog it yeah. really like it meant something even if even if you didn't know the comics and then if you did it just like it's such a larger yeah hit, and that's you
6: know? i think that's what's really working about the show is that they clearly yeah. know what the characters how they tick i don't think that there's a huge change in the characters i think the characters are functioning the way they need to on a television show as opposed to in a comic you know like the female like uh, she's got a name now she's kamiko and karen plays her perfectly but uh-huh, uh, I just think Karen Fukuhara, when she's like in her full rage mode, she's just like that that she just nails it. And yeah. but then the characters got more depth and, and, a, and a backstory and a family and that's stuff we never really knew about her in the comic. You know, she was always sort of like a feral animal <laughs> and a mystery, yeah. uh, which I, you know, worked great. But it works better this way for the television show. But it's still, sure. it still feels like her, you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh,
6: she can mute and she can kick ass <laughs> Matt uh,
0: Before we let you go uh, Space Bastards, you still have two days left People are interested in pledging the Kickstarter What should they look forward to?
6: Uh, well, those volumes Are really gorgeous If you, you have the pictures, I noticed If you want to bring that back up again um, But the pictures of the Space Bastards, uh, I'm sorry, the, the the volumes are really well made. They're hardcover, they're about yay thick, and they're almost full size. And the guys are producing them themselves because they're almost like absolute editions because um, they. I don't think, you know, most publishers wouldn't go all in on it like this. But with a Kickstarter pledge, you can get this gorgeous package where you, you get everything, the whole tooth and mail arc and then also the artwork of these other talented artists, including Simon Bisley, and that uh, came in and did some other stories to sort of expand out the universe around the Space Bastards. So uh, Clint, I, mean, I think his name is, I, I always forget, it's like Boo Holly, I think did the uh, painted cover on the uh, Space Bastards suit. There it is.
0: Yeah, uh, it's a great package, very excited about it. Tarek, a pleasure chatting. Thank you so much okay, for having so me. All right. Have a great night. Take care, everyone. Thank you. Get back to that jazz. (laughs) Uh, Once again, Derek Robinson, uh, the artist of Space Bastards, which is available on Kickstarter as of this taping for, I want to say another two days, something like that. Uh, But go check it out and you can get that. Also, Batman Legends of the Dark Knight coming out from DC digitally very soon. Uh, That is awesome. What a great chat. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. very cool. You guys, very excited to chat with all of you because it's time to move to our next section, which is my favorite section, audience questions. (laughs) And for your audience questions, you all know how to do this. You all have been dropping tons of questions in the Ask a Question here on Crowdcast. Over on YouTube, I'll just mention there were little problems with the stream if you're watching right Uh now. I know, I will upload a version of this later if you're listening to the audio podcast. Doing fine. (laughs)
1: <laughs> nice. That's no sure. problem.
0: Uh now uh we already uh we already um uh covered what did we already cover? I don't know what I'm talking. Let's drink go we're, what we're drinking, drinking. What we were drinking.
1: <laughs> Alex is drunk. Jesus Alex Christ. is drunk. No, very. I got
0: very distracted because the stream is cutting out over on YouTube. I'm not quite sure what happened. Um, okay. It's a real bummer. Uh, but let's uh, let's go to some questions here. Kevin says, since it's Mardi Gras, who are your favorite babies in comics?
1: Ooh, favorite babies. Well, I'll answer for Pete, the ex-babies. He loves them. Um,
2: yeah, close with uh, Muppet babies This is the second one.
1: Very rarely appearing in comics, but um, they are babies. I would have to say my babies, my personal children. Uh, Just throw it out there for them. Um, But I actually, I'm going to throw it to a a random story that I think was in a a Spider-Man annual where you got to see Peter Parker babysitting for baby speedball, Robbie Baldwin. Hmm. And um, the only words he said over the course of his time as a baby in this uh, backup story were the words speed and ball.
0: Oh, man. Pete, what about you? Favorite baby version? Uh, Dokken? he's like a baby Wolverine. No, don't. You
2: that's say nice. I mean, X twenty three is not a baby, but that's about as close as I get. <laughs> full you, That's as close
1: as you get to babies. <laughs> yeah, I don't. <laughs> of, babies
2: rundown. don't do anything. They just sit there. Babies don't do anything. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. I mean, <laughs> have a baby. It's not. Gonna uh, I'm gonna say
0: Luke Cage and Jessica Jones baby. I like that baby, and I like All what that baby did. Cool. For the book as well. Uh,
1: <laughs> what are these answers? <laughs>
0: so <laughs> I don't know. aggressive. Ben the border. Carly says, "What's the most Mardi Gras themed merit badge?" Thanks, Ben. Bringing together a couple of threads from the show. I yeah, appreciate. nice. Uh, uh,
1: I mean, sewing. I think is. I know that you got to make a great costume, and to do that, you have to really put the time in. I uh, recently bought a needle and thread to repair some of my clothing. And I'll tell you what, it's hard sewing. Hmm. Cool. Uh,
0: this isn't explicitly Mardi Gras, it's a little more New Orleans, but how about the waffles or pancakes badge for watching every episode of Cloak and Dagger?
4: Wow. Wow.
0: Uh,
2: nice. Let's, let's see what you did there. Thank you. Pete, you got now, one or s- do you not fuck with badges either? <laughs> <laughs> I don't fuck with badges um i'm gonna say the knife throwing badge is a good one to have you know you gotta be good with knives in general are you talking about mardi gras do you remember the question What's no i don't here i forgot about the mardi gras part
1: is that an uh somehow is your Lacroix full of out
2: <laughs> yeah i drank too much i'm trying to sober up great nice That do the trick <laughs> Uh
0: man this is working so well. Uh okay we got a question from Joe. How do you think yourselves from 5 years ago would react if you told that Pete would stand Betty and Jughead with a white hot fiery passion? That's a great question.
2: Pete? Yeah I mean you couldn't uh you couldn't tell me that. I w- I would be like no fucking way. Uh that's not me. You didn't want to do over river. Yeah. Yeah, oh, you, you didn't want to do a
1: Riverdale podcast. You didn't like Betty, if I remember correctly.
2: Oh, but, don't. Right? No, come no, on. I'm just saying, at the,
1: first off, you don't like Archie Comics. Right. And if you had to name a favorite character from Archie Comics, it would be Jughead.
2: Uh, I don't know. Punisher, probably
1: a very specific answer what about from any other uh, version of those characters uh
2: predator i think predator was on there one time so i'll go Okay there.
1: let's go back to just the core characters if you could real quick pre riverdale what were your what was your favorite
2: i'll say pop
1: pop okay this person is not uh i can't talk to this person <laughs> <laughs> i am in communicating with Pete. Uh, and you know, what I like my favorite Archie character, the cherry on top of the milkshake they have. Sometimes.
0: <laughs>
2: smart, that's smart. I, good call, bro. Answer. Good call. But uh, the
0: milkshake. I wonder uh, woman says, I wonder who in comics makes the best king cake. Ooh. Well, you got
4: to get into who's, in
1: baking. Yeah, who's, who's, who's baking. Who's uh, baking?
0: Who's baking? Not Lex Luthor. He stole 40 cakes, right? So he probably doesn't make his own.
1: Wow. Okay. okay. I mean, the thing with with that. making a good king cake is you can't put too many babies in. Mm-hmm. One baby.
0: <laughs> <laughs> who, so I guess we could work backwards here and figure <laughs> out who would only put one baby in a cake.
1: A hero, a villain is going to put other bunch of babies. Too many babies in a cake.
0: Brainiac yeah. would be like,
1: I will see how many babies I can fit in this cake. Wow. Right?
0: Wow. wow. That's, <laughs> Pete, you are devastating. So right now. I devastating it.
1: impression. <laughs> it is very funny I, that I we're I like... have a skull ship that flies through space. <laughs> it, it's a skull with tentacles for some reason. <laughs> uh,
0: Sometimes my head looks like my chip.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, we really took the idea of Mardi Gras maybe too seriously. <laughs> yeah, because we... Because I yeah. don't... Clearly, the, the this team is uh, not functioning. It's oh man. The usual high high bar uh, when it comes. Yeah, to there's talking. a high bar
0: for this ship. Uh,
1: um, I gotta say, the real I think um, a, a multiple man would make the best cake because it would be babies and then one tiny piece of cake that you'd have. Oh, you froze right at the end. <laughs> yeah,
0: it was just right when he was
2: making his point. Yeah, whatever the joke was, yeah. it was very good, though. Uh, Nick oh, Grayson says, hey, what's, a,
0: uh, what's a personal holy grail of comics that you've stumbled across a copy at a store for a decent price you'd have to buy? Let, let me read that again. What's a personal holy grail of comics that if you stumbled across a copy at a store mm-hmm. for a decent price, you would have to buy? Hmm. Great oh book. gosh, I I gotta say, if I found like a uh, um, amazing fantasy fifteen for like a buck or two, and it was in good condition, I'd grab that.
1: Wow, way to way to give us the real answer.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, if you, I I would I have to like I'm one of those people. If I go into a place where there's comics, you're basically salivating right now, Pete. Just yeah. Like... <laughs> well, the point got... is, I have a, I have a real problem. Uh with yeah. this because if i go into comic book shop and i see too good of a deal or if it's just you know comics out on the side of the street or something like i have to i'll spend all my money so i can mm. i have to set aside like you can't do this but like that's my worst fear is i walk into a place and it's too good of a deal and then i'm dropping you know my life savings and then i'm I'm screwed mm. just D- sort, an sort of a
1: dark take on that question um <laughs> Uh, The first one that comes to mind for me is the um, uh, the original Hulk versus Wolverine fight, which was the first appearance of Wolverine, I believe. um, Which was a fun battle where two characters that were just like it's not a big deal, and then now they're the two two of the most popular characters in all of comics.
2: I mean, definitely the first appearance of uh, Punisher and Spider Man would be is something that I would want. But yeah, definitely the Hulk Wolverine fight for sure. Also when uh Wolverine lost his claws, I would I would want to get that even though I have it.
1: And do you I have mean, the do you have the first appearance of like um picnics in the Marvel universe? Just to back up all of your Punisher fandom and the first Marvel Comics uh
2: guns. You're a real
0: asshole, you know that? I, uh, I mean, I will say just because this is an actual thing, and this is not like a crazy expensive comic or anything. But uh, when I went on a trip to Norway and Copenhagen, I went to a bunch of different comic shops there. I was looking for stuff. I know, real brag, <laughs> real
1: flex, Nordic flex, not flex. Nordic flex. Nordic that is flex. not
0: a Nordic flex. It's a little more of a
1: flex. <laughs> Wait. Why am I-
0: it's, I got to cut out the pause at the beginning of that sound cue, uh, yeah, but we gotta,
1: we could really go back to the drawing board. Well, I Netflix got you guys. I cue.
0: got you guys comics from Norway. I think. What did I grab? Volumes of the Walking Dead because that you was did. All right, you did. I could really find it was very cool. Yeah. Uh, which uh, I thought was fun. But the one that I really wanted, like, was Lock and Key, and I think I think they had the first volume. What I really wanted, honestly, was like the volume that I'm in or the volume that you guys are in in norwegian and i went to a bunch of different shops and i couldn't find anything but that's the sort of thing like if i find that in any language or any special edition anywhere i'll probably buy that just because that's why
1: well, it's a little hard when you walk in and, like i'd like doctors the first appearance of dr album. <laughs> and comic book store guy's gonna be like okay get out of here uh, creep
0: <laughs> get out of here that's too expensive nobody has that
1: that sits uh, high on this pedestal
0: uh all right, question from Pablo D. Martinez. The Zack Snyder cut, are you willing to endure it for four hours on HBO Max? Nope. Just a nope. You're not gonna watch it, Pete.
2: Oh no, no Come way, on, four kid. hours.
1: I think we should do a mm-hmm. live podcast where we oh, watch it throughout. We watch it, we sit down, the three of us. Mm-hmm. No. And um and, and we Zack Snyder can pop in and out. Uh he's no. living with me. He's he's popping, he's living over here house. So we'll have a pop of the podcast and we can just all sit and talk about it. Great. Should we
0: I mean, this will delay us a little bit, but should we order the official Snyder Cut meal
2: box? That's I'm not $130. Dollars? Any more movies with USOs? because <laughs> Zalvin's going to chop it up into segments and Justin's going to be on his phone the whole time. I'll be the only one watching the fucking movie. No, I'm going to. Hey, well, let me tell rap- you,
1: Pete, you're no you're no fucking picnic to watch a movie with either because all you do is cheer and talk and you're yelling at strangers like look at this you, can you believe superman's here and i'm like the most superman's in the title so of course he's here you don't need to yell it to the rest of the movie theater
0: uh you really skip by the meal box thing again it's only 130 dollars it's a box for two and it comes and it looks like a mother box and it has a bunch of different food in it you you can Wait, get so ob- there's
2: no mother inside that box
0: <laughs> Just <food>. no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry there's no mobs to eat what are you talking about
2: uh, I thought a mob would come ben... out of the mother box and then make mm-hmm. you some food I
1: heard Ben Affleck hacks the box is that true mm.
0: yes he does the uh, The recipes are Icelandic cotton chips with trench dressing for Aquaman uh, the Flash Big Belly Burger Superman Resurrection and uh, Ben Affleck's donuts and a nice coffee from Dunkin Donuts
1: <laughs> hey, I'm Batman. <laughs> I'm Batman and you idiots. bastards! Here's the thing: um we should do that. Is does it come all the Stop. way from L.A.? Is the, are they mail up for Los Angeles to our <laughs> Zach
0: homes? Snyder's putting them together himself right now. Oh it's man, the director's cut it. of his mother box meals. Uh, no, the problem with them that's weird to me is they're coming in April or May rather than March 18th, which is when the movie is coming out. But I agree. I think we should each order one and eat it live here on the
4: show.
1: No. Let's do it. Let's all get sick together. (laughs) Um, I'm definitely down to do a Snyder Cut podcast. We owe it to ourselves to really enjoy Mm -hmm. this movie in its full form. The form it was originally meant to be. watched. Yeah, it was (laughs) originally meant to be
0: four hours long and live podcast.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Zack Snyder will be like, yes, thank you comic book club for my vision to life
2: for. Yeah. He's not going to say thank you because we're going to shit on it for four hours.
0: You don't know uh, that. Not me. I'm going to be blown away by the visuals.
1: I finally understand. I finally understand Superman's motivation for showing up. Yeah.
0: I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, something that I found out from watching the trailer for the Snyder Cut is we live in a society. Were you guys
1: aware I mean, that was. I get all my news from the Snyder Cut trailers. So yes. that was huge for
0: me. I get 90% of my news from the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first Hand Up Guy says In what way is Krakoa a mutant, a human who mutated into an island? An island that mutated into a mutant island? Lots of confusion
1: here.
2: Justin, uh, could you take this one? Wait, so first I'll Hand Up Guy. One. Uh, is confused and just wanted to share that with us is that what's going on no
1: here? it's a legitimate question because yeah. i'll tell you what this is a confusing portion of the uh current x-men mythos which was originally i believe like in a radiated island that developed was essentially and then there was a series of retcons around that where um eventually a team of um x-men set by moira mctaggart died there uh two of them died and Professor X erased it from their everyone's minds. Um the new the new X-Men back in the day came rescued the original X-Men there. And now it's just a sex island, a fuck island, wherever uh they live on this fuck island. Uh but to get to the core of the question, I believe that Krakoa is an i mutated into having uh consciousness. So it's not mm-hmm. a, it not like a, a random person walking And it's just like, I'm going to go like, oh, no, I'm (laughs) I'm land now. Uh, It was an island that was um, I mean, the current mythology is a little bit confusing with Arako and Creco and all that. But let's just be clear. It's an island that fucks other islands.
0: Yeah. Uh, There you go. Um, Oh, my gosh. Uh, Sorry. You don't have to read it. No, no, I'm not going to read it. Uh, But. Wait here we go. Okay, first stand up guy. Another question here: Does the pandemic exist in the Marvel or DC universes or any comic universes?
1: Not yet.
2: Not yet. And I don't
1: think it's going to.
2: Um, Right.
1: I think we. And let me just say across the board, outside of the comic book or uh, TV film geek culture industry, I don't think we're going to really see a lot. The pandemic shows that that tried to happen, absolute failures. No. To see this, I think we'll get some uh, flashbacks in future uh, sitcoms, but I think in general, we're just going to all slide past this as a people until the next one.
0: Yep, I agree. Uh, Let's see if we can find one to wrap up with here. Here's one. For there's actually two of them from Hollywood Homer. I'll throw this over to Pete. Um, what hero would a young Robin Williams play, and what villain would an older Robin Williams play?
2: Oh, good. Uh, I mean, you know, there's obvious answers like, uh, you know, the vulture, um, you know, <laughs> the I, only old villain, yeah, the only old villain. I, I feel like real. he's so old, he dated Anne May. Come on, man. Zepard. Uh, Zepard. I, I don't know. I feel like, uh, you know, Jim Carrey was the Riddler, and that was kind of fun. I feel like Rob Williams has a quick mind, so I feel like something uh, like that where he's trying to mentally mess with uh, somebody I appreciate because he is very quick-witted, but how the fuck would I know? He's a short, hairy guy, so he could always do Puck. You know what I mean? There's always Puck. Puck? That's Dream where your mind role. went, not Wolverine, Wolverine, the short, hairy yeah. guy
0: you talk about all the time.
2: Hey, I love Robin Williams, but I don't think Robin Williams can beat too many people up in the fights. You know, what I, mean? I don't know. Here's the thing:
1: the last role he was cast in, which I can't believe you didn't cover this on your quiz, was he was cast to play Frankencastle in the Frankenstein.
2: Uh, <laughs> I can't believe I didn't put that by quiz. <laughs> 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 oh, why wouldn't I put that in there?
0: Oh, oh! I've been chopped up. Oh, I got chopped up by Wolverine's. D- oh, and he had like hair like this and tattoos all over his body. No, am a monster. He.
1: <laughs> anyway, it's, it's solid gold. Wow. It's-
0: there. Uh, last one let's wrap up with this this is from Pablo Di Martinez oh, it, you know,
1: it, it, wait real quick Alex sorry yeah. to interrupt you but if we keep if we do two more questions Pete will be fully asleep on the podcast and I would like to see it happen <laughs> before that Robin Williams question would ask Pete was almost asleep his eyes were slits <laughs> sleeping this guy
0: last one let's see if this wakes him up division. one crazy and enjoyable show could Falcon and Winter Soldier top it no
1: if it, I, I love that question it's
2: not it's a yeah. completely different show uh i mean what if it's not
0: what if it's all one mega show they get to capture the oh. winter soldier and it's just another show that wanda's doing
1: alex whoa tv it's all one thing <laughs> dude holy shit i can't believe you just thought of that yeah
2: it's all taking place in tommy westfall's mind wow stoned alex is more fun than regular alex <laughs> Uh, yeah, I love smoking pot. Well, wow. <laughs> to those listening at home, Alex
1: sort of mimed smoking a joint and then gave up on it. I got
0: nervous drink. because I wasn't it was sure. If this he was
1: like, "I don't you know how
2: do? this. Do you do this?"
1: That's a very tiny joint you're smoking, by the way. Just so. <laughs> I think you want to fatten that up a little, a little bit, right? It's kind Pete? of not
0: to brag, but it's kind of like a micro machines joint.
1: <laughs> oh my, why is that a brag? It's a weird brag. <laughs> it's not necessarily a brag. I like even the comments on our own channel here are just like, what are those guys talking about? they just moved <laughs> on to a little <laughs> They're
2: not talking about us or what we're talking about at all. Um,
1: <laughs> I think if, uh, if WandaVision is sort of the. Um, weird, uh, almost like techno track um, that really like gets into some weird, darker territory. Um, Falcon of Winter Soldier is going to be like just a Bruce Springsteen guitar yeah. riff from the late 80s. It's just going to be coming through exactly what you expect.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I have high hopes for it, but I don't think it's going to be uh, as creative or different. I think it's just going to be more of a fun kind of buddy action type of thing. But we who knows? Who the heck knows? Uh, I can't wait to find out, though.
1: Yep. I, I, but I do think like, they're going to both be good. It's just a very different vibe.
0: Yeah, different vibe. Yep. Absolutely. And that's it for your audience questions! It yeah. is now time to move to our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Pete Sleepy LePage. Pete, right. wide awake!
2: LePage! Woo-hoo!
1: All Ooh. right,
2: so... Wait, Straight oh. Bullets got a hand up!
0: Yeah, straight let's invite bullet. him in. It's Mardi Gras time. He is our New Orleans correspondent. We got to invite him into the stream yeah. here for trivia. So let's get that set up. Brett
1: hand up, guy. We got Brett yeah. hand up. Yeah! Whoa! And...
0: Whoa. <laughs> Happy Mardi Gras, boys! Yeah. Oh my goodness. Happy uh For those of you listening to the audio podcast, Brett is dressed as a pale bird right now? What's going
4: on?
1: I, I don't know. It's Uh...
4: It's I love costume. it. You know, look at this.
0: Oh, so
1: my the, the painting on your head—unbelievable.
0: This is awesome. I, yeah, w- no, I wish wow. you audio folks could see this. It's great.
1: I know it's it's really
4: great for the uh, audio podcast, but um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, I'm in New Orleans, and it's it's Mardi Gras. Oh yeah. yeah. So so the
1: You're still standing. You've been drinking since 9 a.m. this morning. You got you go hard on Mardi Gras despite the code on lockdown. You guys are still decorating your house, <laughs> decorating yourselves. I oh, would, yeah, I just, I just really? love to see it. I still
4: have um, uh, Spider Man Far From Home playing. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. <just on> loop. <laughs> I have the Mardi Gras tree behind me. Oh, wow, and Classic. Again, this is Great for the people who. Are just listening at home. My Sazerac. <laughs> not the first. Not I'm going to go outside. Here so you guys can see the house. Oh, yeah. Like Oh, my God. This is, this is what's oh, wow. going on outside. Yeah. <laughs> hey. yeah. Uh,
0: hey. yeah. It's great. This is
5: amazing.
4: Yeah. I love so this, Brad. We like, we wow. can't really do anything else. Like normally in Mardi Gras in New Orleans,
1: we're going crazy
4: heavy hard. Oh, my God. I mean,
0: this is is pretty hard. I mean, obviously you're not leaving or anything, but just to describe it for people who are listening, house completely lit up, signs in the background, decorations, everybody's dressed like bird people dancing around. Absolutely fantastic. I'm loving this. This is great. Yeah. Pete. I'm ready for uh, trivia. Right. Yeah, here's we'll the thing, though. The you seem a little tipsy. Are you going to be able to do Pete's very Are hard trivia? Are you triv-
4: kidding me? <laughs> Are you saying that I can't handle this? I wow. think Pete goes hard with trivia, though. He makes All it right. very oh, difficult.
2: Huh.
0: All <laughs> right, let's do this. Hit him with the first question, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> I caught
2: it. I caught I it. I got it right here. All right. Pete got it. All right,
5: here we go.
2: So, oh. <laughs> Today's trivia is on topical news and a small nod to the legend, Sean Connery. So here we go. Question number one. Who is going to solo in the new Avatar The Last Airbender graphic novel? Is it A, Toph, B, Appa, or is it C, Busta Rhymes? So is it A or is it B? It's A. A is correct. Wow. Top in her own uh solo graphic novel. I'm very excited about it. Uh question number two. The untold Bubba Fat and Blank story explored in the new Marvel Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters. Who is teaming up with the fat? Is it A Chewbacca, B Han Solo, or C Matt Damon? So it's either A Chewbacca, don't pick it, or Han Solo. I wish it was. I kind of wish it was more. A. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'll you're gonna. Me. All right, nice yeah. job. He is nice job,
1: and those guys famously don't get along, Han Solo and Boba.
2: Yeah, there. yeah. So that should, be, that should be fun. Sparks gonna fly. All right, here we go. Last one. What is the name of the art auction that is helping comic book retailers in need during COVID? Is it A? Comics Helping Comics, B, Double Visions, or is it C, April Grace? So it's either A, Comics Helping Comics, or it's B, Double Vision.
4: Double Visions.
2: Yeah! Yeah. You were correct. correct. (laughs) Kevin, I was going to put it, but I knew you would want that, so I didn't. Amazing. Uh, Brett, great job. You have gotten a $25 Thank gift you. card to
0: Midtown Comics. We will get that info off to you. Happy I Mardi am, Gras. I
1: am Happy so jealous of your lifestyle everyone. right now. I love it. By
4: the way, something happened to me today, which has never happened to me before in Mardi Gras. My landlord, who actually lives there and is up there right now, he came to me earlier today and he said, Brett, do you want a full-length sleeve drinking glove? <laughs> and I was like, yes. <laughs> yes. I now have a full-length sleeve drinking glove. What, I mean, what is a what drinking glove drink for? Glove? I don't know, but it's essentially, I'm just uh, assuming it's just now nice. for drinking. It's, it's wow. For drinking.
2: <laughs> did you see how he did that? Amazing. He just opened his hand and then a drink showed up. I mean, I... It's
1: magic.
0: Incredible. Brett, happy Mardi Gras. So good seeing you. Have the best time.
4: Uh, So great to see you. you. Have a good night, and I will see you
2: later. Congratulations on a great
4: house. Wow. That was amazing. amazing. I just feel like I'm living a
2: shitty, shitty life. He is living it up, man. That's what made you realize that? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just that. (laughs) Just now, <laughs>
0: as we all know, tomorrow is New Comic Book Day. Except if you're talking about DC Wait. Comics, which are Wait. already
2: oh oh with well, the secret quiz, right? I don't know why we've been doing this for five How years. and
1: I keep hearing you out.
2: Yeah, I uh, just wanted to let you know it was a nod to uh, Finding Forrester. Yeah, thank mm. you. Yeah, gotcha. You're the man now, dog.
5: New Comic you're Book the...
2: Day.
1: You're the dog Please, now, man.
2: <laughs> you're the dog man now, dog man.
1: You're the.
0: What are you looking forward to, guys? That's coming out. There's a lot of great comics that are coming out tomorrow they or came are. out today. Justin, what about you? What do you got? Yeah, Justin.
1: I got to give it up to Black Widow number 5. This comic oh. in a, a series of years where we've seen Black Widow rebooted and rebooted. This series stands above the rest. It's so good. This closes out the series, written by Kelly Thompson and Man, it is. The art's fantastic. Really great covers. The artist of the main book is um, Alina Casagrande. And man, just an emotional story. A lot of action. Bringing in just a lot of characters in the Black Widow universe. um, While also creating these new characters that resonate so hard. I loved every issue of this series. Yeah.
0: Pete, what about you?
2: What are you looking forward to? Well, uh, Batman and Catwoman number two. And also, three. three. oh, sorry, number three, and also a TMNT Lass Ronin number two. What are you looking backwards to, Pete? Uh, uh forward. <laughs> <laughs> I love how
0: visually you've overcorrected from being halfway out of the camera to just like straight up
4: in it.
1: Stop I judging me, you fucking brain. dick. I'm not. I didn't have too much to drink. I'm right here. I'm fine. <laughs>
0: Anyway, I'm looking forward to Snow Angels. Number one is coming out from Comixology. I think it might actually be out today, but it's by Jeff Lemire and Jock. And I didn't need to know anything about it to be like, yes, I'm on board. Let's go. This is going to be great. Uh, And all of those titles, very coincidentally, are going to be in our stack podcast, which rolls out in the comic book club feed and its own feed on Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. And folks... That is it for our show. A couple of people we want to thank for coming on. We had a packed show. As mentioned, David yeah. Peoples, check out Aftershock, Scouts, Honor, two issues out right now. Natalie Zena, Wall Shots. You can check out Hench in bookstores absolutely everywhere. It's a lot of fun. And Derek Robertson, you got a little bit of time to pledge on Space Bastards on Kickstarter, but also Legend- Batman Legends of the Dark Knight. Coming out from D.C. very soon to check out all of that, as well as The Boys Season 3 coming down the road. So that's very exciting. Bunch of things to plug on our end. Next week, we're going to have one of our favorite guests here. Abraham Reisman is going to be yeah. here to talk about his oh. bombshell book. True Mom Believer.
1: True people bel- covering it all across the internet.
0: <laughs> they really are. A uh, True Believer the Rise and Fall of Stan Lee. Should be very exciting. You have plenty of time to read it before next week. Highly recommend it. Fantastic you don't have a book. week.
2: That's not plenty of time.
0: It's real good. It's a real page turner. Like
2: 900 pages.
0: A uh, couple of other things to plug. Riverdale After Dark or Riverdale Podcast Wednesdays. Right after that show. Umbrella Academy or Umbrella Academy Podcast. One more episode to go. Coming at some point. We'll see what happens. Marvel Vision... <laughs> Our Marvel podcast, talking about WandaVision, coming out Fridays very Getting early. Getting up early.
1: Getting up early, Get up for, up early
0: for that. American Godcaster, American Gods podcast, is still running on. Usually goes up Sundays after that show. Uh, Patreon.com slash Comic Book Club to support the show and many more. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and more. Until next time, good Good night!